Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. I'm Michael Zalavari, and today we complete the trifecta of our Le Mans preview episodes with a look into the GTE classes for this year's race. Joining me today, I have the GT maestros, Chris Washer97 and Kiwi Chris 1709 Say hello, lads. Hello. G'day. How be both of you? I mean... I'm watching NASCAR doing a podcast for Lamar. I'm living the true American dream right now. That's amazing. That's amazing. I wish to be at that level. How about you? How about you, Chris? I'm just counting down the days till Lamar because that means it's one weekend to go till I can get out of my damn house. Yay! <laughs> And also Le Mans. And also Le Mans, yeah. We are currently recording this a week ahead of the uh, the final race start. Well, a week ahead of the, the halfway point of the race, actually. So there still may be changes, but as it stands, this is what the GTE list looks like. What we're going to do today is, if you've joined us for these before, you know exactly what's going to happen. We'll talk about the GTE Pro class and the GTE AM class. We'll separate each uh, class into their manufacturers and their teams. We'll talk about their chances, go into a bit of the drivers, tell you a bit about what they are about, where they've come from, and give you a bit of an idea of what to expect from each of these teams uh, with the race next week. Uh, so we'll crack onto it. Uh, we, we're not going to waste any time here because we've got a lot of cars to get through. Firstly, we'll talk about GTE Pro. So GTE Pro has a significant drop in entries from this time last year. Last year, we had 17 cars in GTE Pro. This year, we have eight. So we have our normal six WEC full season entries, the two from Ferrari, two from Aston Martin, and two from Porsche. And added to that for this year are two additional Ferraris from the States, uh, one in the WeatherTech Racing Guys and one in the Risi Competizione uh, colors returning once again. Uh, now, what's caused the, the significant drop in numbers, guys? Why have we lost nine cars from last year's entry? Well, there's two reasons. One is the obvious one because of COVID, meaning we, meaning we don't get the, some of the teams from America. So we don't have the two Corvettes this year. Which would have been the debut for the Corvette C8R at Le Mans as well. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Um, but they will most, most definitely be back next year. Uh, you know, everything pending. Uh, we also don't have the two uh, American-run Porsches. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, that was announced before COVID really took hold, wasn't it? It was right at the brink. I think both mm. Corvette and Cor, Corvette um, announced that they wouldn't be coming over at around the same time in about mm. April-ish. Um, what was significant, though, with regards to the, the Porsches was that uh, Core Autosports actually announced that they were closing the, the Porsche GTLM team in a, a, about you know, a month after that as well. So unfortunately, we won't see any American Porsches coming over for Le Mans anytime soon, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, and you add on to that as well with the shattering of the 4GT program and the BMW programs from last year. That's the other six car, uh, yeah, six cars that you would have seen. Yeah, and maybe without the COVID stuff, because the BMWs are still running in the states, maybe you would have seen maybe one entry or two from them. But you know, obviously, when COVID went around the world, that any opportunity, any chance of that happening, kind of got stuck in the mud. Yeah, which is a real shame because it it kind of mutes what is normally one of the best 
door-to-door races in the 24 hours. We've seen time and time again GT Le Mans produce amazing racing uh, with a large field of cars, a great variety of cars that string out into a train for hours on end. Uh, it, it does kind of put a bit of a mute on proceedings. But what we have seen in the WEC this year, if that's anything to go by, we will still get a compelling door-to-door race with (laughs) eight cars because by golly gosh, even with six cars this entire season, we have been blown away with how crazy uh, the, uh, the GTE Pro competition has been. So let's talk about who we've got here. We've made mention we've got our usual suspects. We've got two Ferraris from AF Corsa, two Porsches from um, Porsche Manti, and two Aston Martins from the Aston Martin Vantage Racing Team. So all your usual suspects are there in terms of drivers as well. There's a few additional drivers which we'll talk about um, when we get to each brand, but if I was just to hand you the entry list as as it was right now, without going into any details, who do you reckon so far this season has been the strongest of those teams? If you if you're basing it based on form from G, from the G, from uh, blah, blah, from Spa, if, you, if you're based on the form from Spa, the Essens have been pretty good because they've been good all season. But Porsches were great at Spa. Ferraris have been there or thereabouts all season as well. Like it's at Spa, they were comfortably second fastest all race. So in the end, hmm. you're basically saying you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> in, is, that, is, that a, is that a fear? Yeah, i i would uh, I would say of of the three. Uh, sorry to jump over the top of you, Chris. Uh, of the three, the Porsches are the one that have been looking most consistently strong in all conditions. Um, I think there's a, a bit of a like, for example, the Aston Martins seem to struggle in in heat, and we saw that last year at Le Mans. They they really struggled with their tire longevity when it got a bit warmer. But yeah, I think the Porsches, especially from Spa, the Porsche was the quickest car in the dry by a long shot. Uh, what about you, Chris? What do you expect? I think it's going to be between Porsche and Aston Martin because I saw the Aston Martin. Let's see, and back in February, they won at Dakota. Porsche won Spa. Um, and I believe Aston's and the Porsches were the ones battling out for the win for Spa. Mm. And the fact that and, – and what you said, Flo, about the heat, we're in September. It's a little bit cooler. So the Aston Martins might not have those problems that we saw last year that the race that was held in June. Yeah, exactly. Especially, especially with more nighttime running as well. Yeah, exactly. We've, we talked about this a little bit in our full preview uh, podcast that the September date does mean a longer night running, about 12 hours, and – on average, slightly cooler temperatures to the tune of about a degree overall. Uh, this is really interesting, uh, learning about the, the sort of weather patterns in France. Uh, it, there's not too much of an absolute temperature change, but apparently when it rains in September, it rains an absolute load in the in the uh the south of france so uh yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting okay let's talk a little bit about uh teams and drivers so uh joining the two ferraris uh we've got the number 51 car which currently sits i think further down in the championship oh it's currently sits third in the championship pardon me so uh joining pierre guidi and Colado, you have daniel serra uh brazilian gold raider driver who for about a season in 2018 just managed to win absolutely everything that he laid his, <laughs> his hands on it was amazing um, Formula yeah. One winner as well with Aston Martin in 2016, I think, as well, uh, in that last lap battle with the Corvette. 
Um, so that's uh, he's been a Ferrari driver for a few years now, so it's cool for Daniel Serra to get into that. And then uh, in the 71, which currently sits sixth in the championship, uh, is Davide Rigon, Miguel Molina, and joining them is Sam Bird, who used to be a part of the, the factory program um, before focusing on Formula E. So as far as uh, you know, Ferrari's uh, pickups are concerned, it's basically the usual suspects. Yeah. Idris Suspects have raced with them for a long time, know how to get the job done. So expect nothing less than fantasticness from those two. Yeah. You know, all these guys have raced with each other and and there's no one new new coming into the program. So, you know, a lot of the, these guys knowing each other is definitely just gonna help nothing to adjust here for the Ferraris. Yeah. Just remind me, I, I seem to have forgotten who won Le Mans last year. Was it Ferrari? Yes it was. Do you remember off the top of your head which car it was? It was the Calado Pegwini Sierra car. Well, there you go. So the 51 car is the current GTE Pro reigning champion. So they they will be the ones with the target on their back then for the for the mm-hmm. race. Yep, just ahead of the Porsche GT. Uh, so let's talk about the Porsche GT guys next. So uh, the 91 car has had a bit of a torrid season. They're down in fifth. Uh, this is after winning the first race of the season. They really haven't had the same pace as their uh, contemporaries, uh, their compatriots rather, in the in that team. So Jimmy Bruni and Ricard Leitz are joined by Frederick Makovecki from the sta- uh, from the GT Le Mans program. Um, very accomplished driver, we know that about uh, Ma- Fred Mako. Uh, and then the 92 car, which currently sits second in the championship with uh, a win last time out at Spa and four second places uh, for the 92 team. Michael Christensen, Kevin Esht, and Lawrence Vantour, again from the GT Le Mans program. Now, of those two cars, which one do you think is the scariest? Uh, you got a coin? Uh, I don't currently, know. I have moved to mostly cashless, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, I'll flip my debit card and it comes up as... Driver's choice. It's Driver's really tight. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's amazing. Uh, this is the six best drivers they could probably cobble together from the 12 factory drivers they have, even though that means no Bam Bam. Yes, but I think he is... Uh, no, it wasn't him who got picked up by an LMP2 team, which is a shame. So yeah, no Bam Bam mm. at Le Mans, which is um, for the first time in a little while, actually, which is kind of sad. Yeah, Christensen Thor doesn't really have the same name as Bam Thor, does it? No, no, it, do- it doesn't. <laughs> uh, but S S Thor sounds pretty good. Ooh. Well, keep in mind, there's also um, ADAC GT at Hockenheim, so he might be just running a Porsche. I'm, I'm not too sure, but yeah. maybe he might just do a Porsche there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, one of the things about moving the Le Mans date and all the compressed mm-hmm. schedules, of course, is that uh, this race does... The Le Mans 24 hours does actually clash with a number of regional GT races, including ADAC and British GT, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, that yep. could be one reason as well. Um, yeah, I, and, the, and these, sorry, sorry. I was going to say as well, these are the, these night crews are the exact crews for the 91 and 92 from last year as well. Yeah, exactly right. Um, and I think the 92 has consistently been the better placed one at Le Mans. I'm thinking back to the Pink Pig. Uh, mm-hmm. ra- race where the 92 won. I think last year it came second behind the Ferrari. So wrong, oh, wrong, wrong one. Uh, other way around. No one came. To- 92 had a few issues. Was actually five laps behind. Oh well, there you go. But to me, uh, the 92 seems like a stronger lineup. I think Est and Vantour, when they are on song, are two of the scariest drivers to have behind <laughs> you or in front of you, for that matter. So I'm going to keep my eyes on the 92. Nothing else to add. Yeah. It's- 
The last of the GTE Pro full season entries of the WC, the pair from Aston Martin. So uh, the current championship leaders in the Dane train, uh, Nicky Team and Marco Sorensen, are joined by Richard Westbrook, uh, former uh, GT, uh, Ford GT driver, I believe, uh, if I remember correctly. And then... And in the 97, the car that currently sits in fourth in the championship, it is Maxime Martin, Alex Lynn, and Harry Ticknell, another one of the uh, four GT drivers, uh, who would have been racing at Le Mans with Carlin, uh, the Carlin Delara, except they were unable to uptake their LMP2 invitation. Uh, so Harry Ticknell has found a drive in an Aston Martin, which, by the way, is a pretty good drive to fall into if you <laughs> if you haven't got a drive. It's just like, oh, unfortunately, my ride's fallen through for Le Mans. I know, I'm going to join this factory GT team. Yep, two Brit, two fantastic British guys in an all British team with the all British car. Yeah, it's it's, it's a perfect. it's it's a match made in British ra- racing green heaven. <laughs> yes, for sure. Uh, so, uh, who of those two cars do you reckon are the strongest Aston, uh, like Aston Martin team? Who do you reckon is going to be the one that's really pushing the pace at the front? Remember, the 95 has the championship lead at the moment uh, with the race wins at Fuji, Bahrain, and at Coda, and a second place last time out at the Spa. Yeah, I would just say 90, so the 95, yeah. for me, is the better one. The Dane Train Westbrook machine. Yeah, what about you, Chris? Um, I think I'm going to have to go with I'm I'm gonna yeah I'll have to sit through 95 because I believe Harry, Harry Tignall never drove an Aston Martin before. He might take some time to get used to, um, but I think I'm not too sure. Baxi Martin and Alex Lynn like they're both good drivers. Um, Alex Lynn obviously 12 hours of Sebring overall winner and one mm. of his first prototype races. Um, and, and Maxi Martin is kind of becoming a jack of all trades. I believe he used to be a BMW factory driver. Yeah. He races for Aston Martin. And he raced some other manufacturer. I want to say it was Porsche in one of the uh, Nürburgring Endurance Series rounds. Um, The last one, actually. Um, So he's just racing everything, and he seems to adapt well the way he does. Yeah, that's actually a really good point uh, on on Tinknell and Martin coming from other manufacturers. Uh, I wonder... Yeah, the the ninety seven just hasn't seemed to have the same uh like scare factor or or like drivability factor. It, it seems to always be like half a step behind the sister car, and I wonder if that's because the drivers are still getting accustomed to the new machine. So uh, that's certainly something to to keep an eye on throughout uh the race. Uh, finally, we have our two uh additional entries for this round, both Ferraris, both from the states. Uh, and yeah, both hoping to bring some American muscle, which is sorely missing from uh, this year's race. So uh, firstly, we have the number 63, the WeatherTech Racing Ferrari. Uh, so this is being driven by Cooper McNeil, Tony Vlander, and Jeff Siegel. Uh, so for those in the States, that's basically lifted, copy-pasted from the, the WeatherTech Racing uh, machine that runs in GTD. Uh, how do we rate their chances against the full professional field, especially with Cooper McNeil being an amateur driver? First thing I say is their car livery is looking pretty gorgeous. The red, white, and blue. They've done it well. <laughs> They've done that well. Which is what what we normally say for the WeatherTech car. Normally we're so <laughs> against it. Yeah, um, fair. If yeah. you're into that sort of thing. But as as good a driver as we as Cooper McNeil is as an amateur. He's not going to compete with the best Platinums out there. No. He's just not. He's yeah. going to realize that this isn't a Ferrari Challenge North America field that he could just whip. Yeah. yeah. 
And I think that's uh, extremely telling from the entry list when you look down the row that Cooper McNeil is in, it is his little name with an S next to it and then a string of P's just up and down. That's the sort of mm. crazy professionalism we're talking about here. Every single driver he's, on this he's the only he, He's the only silver in GTE Pro. Yeah, yeah exactly. Of course, of course, this car would have been an AM car, but they had to upgrade it because they couldn't get a second AM and... Yeah, because so they, the whole COVID I'm, thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why they put Jeff Siegel in, uh, or brought Jeff Siegel along, uh, because they couldn't get a second amateur driver. So that's the WeatherTech racing number 63. The other uh, additional Ferrari is from Rizzi Competizione. This is running a uh, basically a a, a USA France uh, team again. So a trio of French drivers. I think it's the same French drivers from last year: Olivier Pla, Sebastian Bourdais, and Jules Gounon. Is it the Very same? Solid. Is it the I'm same trio as last year? Just checking now. Uh, oh. Rizzi, no, last year was Jarvis Gunon and Pippo Durrani. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, there you go. So a, a fully French lineup this time around. Um, Olivier Pla, Sebastian Bourdais. Uh, Bourdais has raced the four GT. Olivier Pla, of course, was for a time a Ligier factory driver. So did a lot of driving um, in the LMP2 machine. Uh, in a, ver- a variety of different series. And then Jules Gunon, who, let's not forget, this year drove an astonishing stint in the Bathurst 12-hour to bring home that Bentley uh, for the win. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. a, a formidable driving lineup. The only worry I have is that Reezy hasn't raced since, what, Daytona, I think? Yeah, it was the Rolex, and I saw them live. That's how long it's been. And yeah. Jules Gunon, um, he also won, I believe, the ADAC GT Championship with the Corvette. Yes. Um, and that then was, that was also the drive that, Bourdais. Sorry, I was going to say, that was the drive that Gunon actually, uh, that Bentley noticed and picked up Gunon for, mm-hmm. for winning the ADAC GT Championship, yeah. And Bourdais actually raced overall in the LMP1 days with Peugeot. Oh, so yeah, of Bord- and this is Bord- and this is Bordet's home track. He was like raised in Le Mans, so I believe he already won it in GT Pro with the Ford GT. But not the victory won't hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Um, we saw last year from the Rizzi Competition team, they seemed to be a little underbaked. They were, you know, mm. half a second off the pace of the rest of the Ferraris for a lot of the event. They ran into problems. They weren't quite at the the, the standard of the rest of the field. Um, do we expect them to make that jump this year? Do, uh, do they have enough in the tank to to find that extra little bit that they were missing against the, the full factory lineups? Hmm... It depends how much AF course backing they have, I think. Okay, what, what makes that? that? Because if they have the a, any AF course guys and they're giving them support, guys who might be a bit more race race hardened, then that might then that might be their chance to do well in the race. The driver lineup's good. The car we know is good. I mean, they they they, they were what they did DNF at Le Mans, no, not at Le Mans at Daytona, with you know about two hours from the finish with a puncture. So they're Capable car, capable driver. It's just whether they've got the team behind them. Yeah. And the fact that the, the grid's only six cars. All they need is a couple Hoshino, Hoshino accidents at the Porsche cars to get them in the podium. <laughs> Oof. Big yikes. Yeah, fair. Uh, and, as, and and I think the Ferraris will be stronger as well. Okay. You consider, you know, turbo engine, cooler temperatures probably suit them a bit better. 
Yeah, that's something that I hadn't considered before. And and uh, something else that we have yet to mention as well is that uh, the Le Mans BOP is entirely different to the uh, the BOP process for the rest of the season. There is no auto BOP; it's all it's all hand done, so to speak. Um, so we still haven't seen any testing. There's not been any test days yet uh, because of everything. We don't get any indication of who's going to be actually strong uh, for Le Mans until the practice session on Wednesday. So uh, there's still a, a big unknown about the relative pace. Uh, for the um, for each of the teams, absolutely right. I'll put you out on a limb now. With the knowledge that we got longer night running, possibly cooler temperatures, and uh, a later date, we have no track time yet. Who's going to win GTE Pro? Oh, flipping heck! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I said I'll put you on the spot. I'm going to go. You know what? I'm going to say the 51 AF quarter. Okay, mm. backing up two years in a row. Fair, fair. Yep. fair. Any particular reason? Uh, they're one of eight cars on the grid, and I think they're going to be the strongest <laughs> race car. They are on the grid, therefore they are possibly going to win. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, Chris? Uh, I think I'm going to go... I'm going to go with the 95, actually. I think Aston Martin's going to thrive. Um, I, th- I think they're going to have an advantage. I, yeah, I, d- I definitely think Aston Martin's definitely going to have the advantage coming into this race. Um, Porsche might give them a run for their money, but I think it's going to be an Aston Martin Porsche shootout with Aston number ninety five taking it. Okay, well, I'll I'll be the 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 fly in the ointment then. We'll I'll switch it up and I'll say Porsche. I I think the ninety two. Oh, of course car, you are. Yeah, I know. Oh. Uh, I think the ninety two car has the most consistent uh, pace and the best driver lineup and has the the stuff to take it. Now, I just a question I just thought of literally just then. When was the last time a non-full-season WEC car has won the GTE Pro class? Was it uh, Corvette ooh. in 2015? Could have been, you know. Or could have been. Um, it might have been the Ford GT, the American running. The, the American ran Ford GT in 2016. Okay. I'm just having a look at 2016 results now. One of them was yes, Ford Typical FC Team USA. Okay, well there you go. So it's been it's been a few years. So we're basically you know, going by what we've talked about, we're basically shelving the two non-WEC cars uh, for this race. We don't think that they're going to be the the ones at the front, do we? Uh, Reese is a chance. I, with, with I want Reese to do well, though. Yeah. Uh, I, I want Reese to do well. Really, it's kind of like my pessimism going on, like, because I want... like Picks aside, like, this is the team I want to win because I have I bought a shirt from them. I support the brand, the American team. You know, ran in IMSA for many, many years, and the fact that they're kind of struggling right now, not doing any full season stuff, I really want them to succeed and have this win. It'll be huge for them. But yeah, I'm hoping they're right up front. But my kind of like my my heart says yes, but my brain's like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Mood. Uh, okay, well there you go. So we're all we're all split down the middle. I think the the picture will co- become a little more clearer on Wednesday when we get the, our first track running. But at this stage, a week out from the event, basically what we're saying is we have no idea. Mind you, that, we, yeah. we, everyone has listened to us for five seasons, though we never have no idea. This is true. This is true. Uh, it's going to be new. Yeah, no, this, yeah, exactly. If you've listened to us before, you know that this is not new. Uh, okay, so that's the GTE Pro class. Uh, one thing that I am sure about, though, is that even with just eight cars, GTE Pro is going to be an absolute ding-dong battle for at least... 20 of the 24 hours 
Yes, unless the safety car does what it did last year and split the field up early on, this race won't be decided until sunrise. Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, I actually don't need fingers crossed. It's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Mm. We believe. Uh, We'll move on to GTM now. And uh, for those who haven't seen Le Mans before or don't understand the distinction between GTE Pro and GTM, uh, it's basically the same cars-ish. It's it's a one regulation cycle pass. So the cars uh, in GTM are built to the 2018-2019 specs, um, which this year means that they're all the new cars. Last year, we still had some old Aston Martins uh, loitering around, but this year, it's all Ferrari 488 GTE Evos, the Porsche 911 RSR, and the Aston Martin Vantage, the new one. On top of that, you must have one bronze rated driver and one additional am driver at least in the car uh so what that means is that there's a lot of variability in terms of driver speed throughout the field you have you know people like Giancarlo Fisichella in the same car as a Thomas Floor a bronze driver so you get a real range of driver talent and last year it actually came down to a very very great battle between an am in a uh, in a very uh, very much struggling car versus a professional in a uh, better car with better tires. Um, and the AM driver actually prevailed uh, until, you know, post-race scrutineering. Um, so, <laughs> so last year, uh, yeah, it, you do get some really, really good battles between some of the AM drivers and some of the pro drivers, but it does add an, uh, a, another little element into how you build your strategy and how you go about racing. Um, and on top of that as well, we have 22 cars in this GTEM grid. 22 cars. It's mental. And this is definitely going to be the one where, like, as an American, I'll do my American time zones. Like, if you wake up, like, 3 a.m. in the morning with a couple hours left in the race, there's always – there's going to be some form of a battle for GTEM. I'm, I'm sure of it. It's going to be one of those classes where if you look down the timing list, there's always going to be cars within a few seconds of each other to watch out for. Yeah, and this is one of those classes where it can kind of get lost a little under the radar. But remember, this is, with 22 cars, it's going to be well over a quarter of the action. So if you if you haven't seen Le Mans before, if you're not sure about the GTE class, what I suggest is have a listen and pick out a car, a team, a driver that you really, really like or that really appeals to you and just follow them for the race. Because what that will do is that will keep you invested in the class, it will keep your eyes on the class, and it will actually allow you to experience the the the... the the complete Le Mans package by just having another set of eyes on, on a class that you might ignore or might not focus on throughout the race. And the TV direction is usually pretty decent for catching all of these battles. So mm. if your driver's coming up on like a car that is for even for overall position or just for class position, they usually keep tabs on that on that stuff so if tv direction should be good enough where you almost don't need the timing but the timing is recommended but something that has happened because of the 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 covid uh, situation is that a lot of regular teams and regular drivers that we've seen in this class before are unable to make the trip so what that has meant is that in this 22 car field we have a lot of unknowns and a lot of variability and a lot of unusual drivers people that we haven't encountered before so we're going to do our absolute best to try and pick apart what is this 22 car field for gtm and try and give you the best information that we have um based on uh what we know and what we understand but there are going to be drivers that we are just absolutely unsure about so let's get into it Sounds good. 
Okie dokie, so we'll start off with a three car running from AF Corsa. So AF Corsa, uh, while running the factory team, also run a variety of customer teams. So they have the uh, the two WC full season entries, uh, the 54 car, which has Thomas Floor, Francesco Castellacci, and Giancarlo Fisichella. That's a pretty scary team to line up straight off the bat. Um, <laughs> on top of that as well, the their second car, the number 83 car, is the Francois Perotto, Emmanuel Collard, Nicholas Nielsen car, which is currently leading the GTE AM Championship by quite a way as well. So that's definitely a car to watch. And then adding that to that for the Le Mans 24 Hours, um, they have a car which is basically, if you're familiar with GT3 racing, it's basically Garage 59. You have Christoph Ulrich from uh, Switzerland, Stefan Gorig from Germany, and Alexander West from Sweden, a trio of bronze drivers uh, for, for the AF Corsa Additional car hmm. i was uh, going to mention about that from alexander west he usually races with uh, mclaren's for garage 59 he has seen in the spot 24 numerous times racing with like chris harris yep. or somebody like that so interesting obviously mclaren doesn't have any cars that can race at lamar so well no nothing nothing you know no conflicts of interest there so interesting to see them running a ferrari though well i actually thought that um since the divorce of um, Garage Fifty Nine and McLaren, oh, that's um, right. They do. They do. Um, Aston Martin now. Garage yeah, 59, yeah. Right? That's what I thought. So it's interesting to me that the because the Aston Martin GT Three could be up, updated to the GTE. You can switch back and forth. So it's interesting hmm. that they've gone with a Ferrari um, instead of an Aston Martin, which they run in GT Three competition. I mean, Christoph Urich does drive a does drive a Ferrari in the European Le Mans series. Oh, okay. I think he's yeah. I believe he might have started off in the Michelin Le Mans Cup and moved up. Yeah, yeah. He's that under, was all with Ferrari. Yeah, he's under three races so far, two poor cars in Spa. So in a Ferrari then? In a Ferrari, yeah. Okay, well that, that makes sense. So it's uh, I'm guessing then it's it's Christoph Ulrich with the car and the entry, and then Alex West and Stefan Gorig have bought their way into that car yeah. to to fill it out. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Um, and Stefan Gorig is the money man. He's yeah. Well, I mean, they're all the money, man. It's a trio of bronze drivers. <laughs> Stefan Gorg is like a CEO, actually, I think. He's like a he C- CEO or something. Damn, that's kind of kind of nuts. Uh, it's always a little scary to look at these these bronze drivers and go, what do they actually do in their private lives? How do they get all this money? Uh, fantastic. So there, that's the, the 52 car. Um, now the two WC season entries are a bit more of a known quantity. So the, the AF course, the number 54, Thomas Floor, Francesco Castellacci, Giancarlo Fischer-Keller. Now Fischer-Keller, of course, is the big name in that team, but Floor and Castellacci aren't really too bad either. They haven't been the absolute best in the GTE AM category, but they're solidly mid-pack, I, I'd say. Do you think that they can, uh, push towards that top step of the podium for this race, for the for the Le Mans? No, because that means they have to beat their teammates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about their teammates. Uh, Manuel Collard, Francois Perotto, Nicholas Nielsen. Uh, so Collard and Perotto have won the GTEM Championship before and Le Mans before, I think, together. Is it Collard who has been racing... I, I, one of these two. I'm pretty sure it's Manuel, uh, Manuel Collard has been racing like all the way back... In into like the mid nineties or late eighties yep. as well. Yeah, nineteen ninety five drove for Lava Lava competition. Wow. Okay, <laughs> so that's twenty five years ago that he was racing here at Le Mans, and then you add to that Nicholas Nielsen, who 
somehow still has a silver rating. I was so surprised that when they released the driver ratings for 2020 that he wasn't upgraded to gold because he is a, by far and away, crazy good for a silver. He's, he's basically... He's also, he's also only 23. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, but he is essentially a Ferrari factory driver already. He has more pace than most of the pro, uh, most of the pro drivers out there. The fact that he is the amateur, the silver driver in this team is just ridiculous. And the fact that they uh, like and and it shows in their results. They have uh two race wins so far, a further two podiums and they haven't finished lower than fourth. They are dominating the championship at the moment in GTM. This car is going to be the car to beat. Of the whole field, yes, no doubt. Yeah, and and Francois Perodo, you know he's raced here in P two. Yes, now he was part of the TDS team that got disqualified in P two, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, I, I think they finished fourth, and then uh, both them and the uh, G Drive car that was run by TDS Racing were disqualified for modifying the the fuel the refueling rig. Um, but so- he also finished third last year. Well, there you go. Um, was that in P2? It was, with De- Luke Duval and Matthew Vexivier. Oh, well, there you go. So, I mean, yeah, Perotto, I think Perotto suits GTM better. I think Perotto's speed and uh, and skills are better suited to a GT car because he has won the GT uh, GTM championship a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of it's kind of nice to see him back in a GT car, to be honest. I, I think the LMP2... Uh, uh, experiment worked fine at Le Mans, but didn't work fine anywhere else. Really, I think if you go back and look at his results, he was uh, well off the pace in a lot of races. Yeah. An interesting statistic I kind of dug up: Emmanuel Collard has Le Mans wins in both a GT class and a prototype class, and they were both at the same manufacturer, Porsche. Oh wow! Oh really? wow! That's cool. Well, so what yeah, are... the, with the Porsche 911 GT and then with the uh, LMP2 Porsche Spider. Oh wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, that's really cool. I did, I did not know that. Um, so hopefully he can chalk one up to Ferrari as well. Brilliant. He will. He will if things go to plan. Yeah, if things go to plan. Uh, <laughs> We'll we'll press on to the next group of cars, and we'll we'll uh, stay with Ferrari. We'll go to the Spirit of Race team now. Spirit of Race is kind of AF Corsa by a different name. Uh, this is a, a car, the number fifty five car, if you're following on the entry list, um, which is Swiss flagged. It's got Duncan Cameron, Aaron Scott, and Matt Griffin. Uh, this is a car that's come pretty, basically straight from the ELMS uh, as well, and that those guys are. Le Mans stalwarts, ELMS stalwarts, WC stalwarts. It's surprising that they're not racing in the WC full season, but uh, as far as uh, driver lineups that are established, well-known and comfortable together, that's definitely one of them. Yeah, I believe the color, you know, the color of the car, you can't, can't be mistaken. There's always that green. Um, and the fact these guys have been racing together for a while, I believe Duncan Cameron and Griffin raced in even British GT. Yeah. Even just mm. as recent as a few years back. Um, how recent? Well, Rockingham was still in existence. That's oh, how wow. recent. Uh, so, or old, depending on what you want to view it as. But the yeah, amazing chemistry of these guys. But I think these guys are potential race winners. Um, I and I really hope they do well. It's an interesting group of guys, and just a fun, just a fun car to look at. I think you're going to see an interesting uh, race come out of them this week. My biggest issue with Spurder Race 
most of the races I've seen with them comes down to Matt Griffin trying to do a recovery job. Well, I mean, that's not necessarily unusual when it comes to yeah. uh, the GTE AM lineup. We made mention, of course, that you're, you're basically tied to having two amateurs. So it makes sense that the, the professional driver is going to be the one that's going to be up against it, trying to drag that, them back through the field. But it seems like he has to do it more than other pro drivers. Yeah, I guess. Um he has done a few amazing things. I remember a, a podium that he managed to snag on the last lap at Silverstone in the 2018 season. Um, but let's not forget as well, uh, that car is coming off some great form, winning the last ELMS round at the Paul Ricard 240. This be true. Yeah, so they, they, they're they a proven lineup. They've got proven race results. Uh, how, do they, how do you reckon they stack up against the rest of the WEC field? They'll I mean, be competitive. Yeah, whether they're good enough to win it, look, I've got all the noises today. Look, they're good enough. I just don't know whether they will be good enough for twenty four hours. Yeah, that's that, that's of course the thing. It's the twenty four hour problem uh, that this race is. Uh, what about you, Chris? What are your thoughts? I think I'm. I think I'm going to have to go that these guys are going to be really competitive. I think they're going to be up up front. Um, I think they might. I think they have the potential for a race victory. Sweet. That's the thing, though. There's a lot of teams which have the potential for a race victory, but only a few teams that are, are really staring at one. I think we've already talked about one in AF Corsa, and we'll talk maybe about another one here. Uh, we'll cross to Porsches now. Team Project One bringing along three cars, um, a late pickup off the reserve list as well for their third car. They have the two full season entries, the the Mentos car, Edigio Profetti, uh, Larry Tenverde, Vorda, Tenvorda. All the Dutch people in the audience are just going to scream at me for for messing that up Larry Tenvorde and Matteo Cairoli how could you pr- how could you butcher the name of a 2020 Porsche Mobile One Super Cup champion flood I I don't know I am just a horrible <laughs> human being is the answer uh, so anyway Perfetti Tenvorde and Matteo Cairoli in one car then their second car the second full season car is the the Ben Keating Felipe Fraga Duran Blakemolen car which has which yes. won provisionally last year until post race tech. Um, so that those two cars have been pretty pretty good in WC competition so far. Um, the fifty seven car currently sits third on the standings. Uh, the fifty six car hasn't had as an impressive season as last year. Um, I'm I think. Uh, the loss of uh, Julian Anlauer as their, their silver driver last year has kind of muted their championship charge, but still two pretty scary driver lineups for the, the full mm. season cars. Ten Vorder is a massively good pickup. He was super mm-hmm. impressive in Super Cup because I paid much more attention to that because of Jackson Evans. Yep. And he seriously impressed me. Um, I think though this is his first endurance race because he wouldn't have done anything in Porsche's endurance-wise, I don't think. Yeah, not really. And the fact that if you don't follow Porsche Super Cup at all, the BWT cars are like the big guys. They're like the Mercedes mm. of that championship. And he came out and he was like the the David against the Goliaths, and he won against both the pink BWT cars. So massive pickup. I can't wait to see what this car has in store. I think with that, Matteo Cairoli just being involved as well, this is just going to be a scary car to deal with at the race. And Perfetti's one of the best dams. Yeah, this is true. He is he is 
incredibly good as an AM driver. It's kind of scary. Um, just quickly, interesting to note, um, Ten Vorder was actually racing in the 57 car, replacing Felipe Fraga for the Shanghai and Bahrain rounds of the season. He took a second place and a race win with Ben Keating oh, well, and Jerome Bleekermolen. <laughs> well then. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, really, uh, fascinating sort of driver mixing there. Um, how do we rate these two guys chances? They were, they were kind of off the boil at Spa. Um, the 57 car, the Keating car finished, uh, in fifth or sixth place. The team, the 56 car finished in fourth, but you know, not really right up there with the, with the top cars in that class. The pathetic car will be challenging for a podium. The Keating car will likely be challenging for a podium. And remember, the Keating car with that driver lineup provisionally won last year as well. Yes, they did. So that's going to be... We'll we'll have to keep our eyes on that. Team Project 1, the two WC cars, really strong entries. The uh, additional car from that team, the 89 car, is a bit of an enigma for a variety (laughs) of reasons. Um, So we'll we'll talk about the 89 car. So this is very much a bit of an enigma. So we have Benoit Fretin. And Bruno Fretin, which are a, I'm guessing, family duo um, of yes, French drivers, uh, yes. with a pseudonym on the list, a Steve Brooks, which th- right. I, 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 don't, I don't know. What? They, I've done, they list, I've done they my research. List as, they list him as French. Yes. I, but I believe that's wrong. Okay. I've done a bit of research on this. So Benoit and Bruno Fretin come from B2F Racing. We've okay. done a little bit in um, B2F, obviously, the name's Fretin. B, yeah, B2, so Benoit and Bruno, yeah. 2F. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I get it. They, they race, they've raced together a little bit in the GT series, the 24-hour series. Okay. Um, just periodically. They raced at Spa last year, raced at Emily the year before, so nothing dramatic. That was in the... Not in the Porsche Cup car, in the class. Yep. Sorry, Porsche Cup class. And Steve Brooks, Steve Brooks, is is actually a British historics racer who's raced at Le Mans before in the historic races. Done okay. He's also a wealthy businessman who's also a pole to pole explorer. Huh. Okay. So this <laughs> is this is this under the pseudonym Steve Brooks? This is. What I found on my research. Okay, okay. So this is okay. The the reason we're we're all very confused here is that sometimes uh, in in bigger races, uh, you'll see names come up with in in inverted commas as pseudonyms. So what that means is that someone's enrolled into the race under what's not their real name. And we've seen this in the Le Mans, uh, the Nurburgring twenty four. We've also seen this in the Le Mans twenty four before. Uh, a, a man by the name John Winter, who actually turned out to be a uh, German business owner. And the reason that they do this is because they don't want uh, insurance companies or family members or, you know, business associates finding out that they're doing something dangerous and telling them not to do it, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, also basing this, I'm also basing this off a um, DSC article that named him as the historic racer as well. Okay, that's cool. Okay. So, yep. has some level of prestige at Le Mans uh, then. So, the question is, do these guys do anything of note? <laughs> As long as I don't crash, then no. Yeah. That's the thing. She knows that in the car, so that's a plus. Oh, uh, yeah, that's fair. I, I, okay, has, has Ashino just got that reputation now? Is that how we remember him as the guy who crashed at Le Mans? Into- he's, 
Yeah, that's how I remember him. <laughs> um, he was better than that. Uh, was he? He also, he also like uh, tried to force his Porsche through the rear of an Aston Martin at Fuji. Well, the Aston should have gone faster on the first lap. Yeah, the Aston should have gone faster. <laughs> As a yeah, wild card, that's what you're supposed to do at the start. <laughs> God damn, guys. Um, so, uh, yeah, so Team Project One cars focus on the WEC full entries. Uh, the I think the the eighty nine car is going to be in the same sort of league as the 52 car kind of make not quite making up the numbers but if they finish it'll be a good result they're just going around having fun yeah exactly frenchies being frenchies right yeah brilliant we love to see it uh moving back to ferraris the iron links team are bringing in three cars um so iron links is kind of a subsidiary of af corsa it was a uh if you were watching last year it's what the kessel racing team used to be uh no kessel racing cars on the entry list for Lamon this year um but kessel racing does still exist as an entity very confusingly in the elms um so these guys uh basically they they split from kessel racing and, and made their own team um and in the number 60 car you have claudio Schiavone, sergio pianazola and paolo roberti uh which is the team directly lifted from the european le mans series and then in the number 75 car uh, you have a, another trio of Italians. Uh, this one is more of a, mm, a hodgepodge, mashed together Italians from anywhere sort of uh, deal with Reno Mastronati, Matteo Crisoni, and Atre- Andrea Pacini. And then uh, the final car for the Iron Lynx entry is again lifted straight from the European Le Mans series. It's the 85 car. Um, this is the Iron Dames, uh, Manuela Gosner, Rahel Frey, and Michelle Gatting. So three fascinating teams, uh, two teams with very much of an Italian flavor to them. And then, uh, yeah, the, finally, the the very, uh, I, I don't want to say like big deal of the all-female team, but, uh, you know, it, it is a, a some, something of note, an all-female driver lineup for the GTE class that have been doing really, really well in GT competition, both in the ELMS and, well, I mean, in the ELMS getting podium results. Yeah. Um, just a very solid driver lineup, all three of them. Honestly, the uh, Reno Mastronati, Matteo Crisoni, Andrea Pacini car, that's also lifted from Blanc Plain GT, basically. Yeah, it's because uh, what, um, what do they normally race as in Blank Plain GT? Is it, is it just as AF Corsa? I think so, yes. Yeah. But it's still three really, really good driver lineups. I don't understand how Crisoni is still a silver, um, but when you add Pacini and Mastronati to that, that's actually a really, really good additional driver lineup. I think that's the first of the like additional driver lineups uh, that is unusual to us that's actually kind of competitive. Hmm. Um, just a quick note on uh, the Iron Lynx form in terms of the ELMS uh, championship. So last time out, the Iron Dames, the, the number 85 car, uh, finished in third place. On, so they finished on the podium um, with the, uh, the other Iron Lynx car finishing a bit down the order. In fact, the, the number 60 car, the Crisone, oh, sorry, the Schiavone Pinazzola Roberti car, they actually not had the best of runs in the European Le Mans series this season, um, finishing with uh, a fifth place and a fourth place with a non-finish at Spa-Francorchamps. On the other hand, the, the Iron Lynx car, uh, sorry, the Iron Ladies have two uh, podiums to their name. So, um, it, it's almost an argument to be said that the, the female, uh, the, the Iron Dames, the all-female lineup is the stronger of the two cars. 
it's not even an argument. I think it is. That's pretty brave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from from those three teams, where do we expect them to place? Do we expect them to be really right at the very top or more in the middle or more at the tail end? What, what do we think? I think with the fact that the that the Iron Ladies is going to be the um, most likely of the three to succeed, and I think they're probably mid to top mid, so maybe just out of the top five. Okay. That's probably as far as high as I put them. Uh, any any objections to that, Chris Washer? Uh, I'm not I'm not in the courtroom, so no no objections. <laughs> Fantastic. I I tend to agree as well. Um, last year I'm just having a quick look last year to see how they did. I seem to recall them running into a few issues. Um, they ended up finishing. Um, this is the Iron Lady. They ended up finishing four laps down, and they were the best of the non-full championship Ferraris. Not quite. They had car guy racing uh, a bit further up. So, um, yeah, uh, still a decent result. And I think it's it's good that there's going to be media attention around this team for the right reasons as well. Um, it is a big deal that it's an all-female lineup because it's uh, something that's quite rare and something that should be celebrated to as a, as a focal point to, um, you know, maybe advertise and market and uh, give... Uh, young girls and young women the sort of belief that they can get into motorsports as a career. But they're also three very, very good racers and their results in the ELMS show that as well. They've come up through the ranks. They did uh, Le Mans, uh, Road to Le Mans in the GT3. They stepped up to to the European Le Mans series and they're showing that they're, they're meant to be here. And I think that's fantastic. And honestly, I'm I'm really excited to see, see how they do up against this field. As am I. Fantastic. Uh, next up on the list, um, we have another Ferrari team, uh, Lusich Racing. Now, this is a bit of an enigma. Now, they won their they won their entry from winning the ELMS last year, and there was conjecture that they wouldn't take up their entry because the team had folded. But they took up the entry, and it's with uh, none of the drivers that drove with them last year so it's a bit of a, a bit of enigma um they're running with uh th- three drivers of course F- francesco piovanetti and oswaldo negri os negri so uh, that might be a name familiar to people who watched imsa a few years ago in the uh i think that were he was racing the maya shank uh lmp2 car for a little while yep, that'd be, that'd be yep. um and then adding to that is comb ledegar uh who is uh, normally drives for Garage 59 in the Aston Martin. Uh, had a big crash at Bathurst this year, actually, in the very early hours of the morning. Um, so, Comletigar, extremely good racer. Fantastic racer. Uh, has driven with uh, Car Guy before, won a uh, Blank Pain GT Endurance Championship with uh, McLaren. Fantastic pickup. But yeah, really a bit of an enigma with uh, Francesco Pivanati and Oz Negri joining that team. This is actually a, a strong lineup of drivers, whether the team's going to be able to support them, those is my big question mark on it. Yeah. Because they've done, what have, what have they done, you know, in the last 12 months? Yeah. What have they done since winning the European Lawn Series Championship? And I, I think mm. it's important to note that they won that championship largely off the back of Nicholas Nielsen. That was Nicholas Nielsen's really big breakout drive. He, he almost single-handedly dragged that Ferrari way ahead of where it should have been. Um, so, yeah, I it's it's a little bit of a, a confusing point. Um, Oz Negri, what's Oz Negri been doing since uh, giving Imsa away? 
Chris, we're gonna uh, Chris. I'm gonna ask you that because you you would be the one most likely to know. I think he was doing something, but off the top of my head, I can't remember what, exactly what he was doing. So we're gonna go on driver database, my old reliable, trusty source I have here. And the answer is he's done a whole lot of not a lot. He's right. He's raced, he's raced in the Asian Le Mans series. Yep, that that's where I've mm. seen him, yep. Yep. Three three third places at Darbin, Sepang, and Buriram. Oh, who was he racing with there? Uh Spirit of Race. Okay. Yeah, yeah. In the in the blue and red car, right? Yep. Yeah, okay. I should know you were there. I yeah, I should. I was like, I, <laughs> I should know. I wrote the race report for that. <laughs> oh boy. Um okay, yeah. So that, that does sound a little familiar. So he has some level of recent GT Ferrari uh, racing as well, then. Okay. He also did a couple of Michelin Le Mans Cup and international GT Open races last year for Spirit of Race. Okay, so uh, Ferrari bronze driver nowadays, then. Okay, that's, that's you know, fair, then. Oh, pardon me. Uh, what do we expect from the team? Do we expect... Uh, yeah, what are we expecting? Not much. Okay. <laughs> And not in all honesty. ELMS type dominance that they had last year. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I expect that car to be very, very quick when Ledegar's in the car, but I don't expect it to have nearly the same amount of pace re- in relation to the other amateurs. Um, yeah. Well, when... Negri and Pierre Vinetti did dro- worse year in that Asian Le Mans series car. Okay, yeah. Uh, and they weren't really at the top of it you know they had a few mm. a few third places but the the gte class in the asian Le Mans series was uh for those who watched the asian Le Mans series rife with a bit of uh inconsistency a lot of incident and a few breakdowns as well so the the results there got quite well mixed so yeah i'm not holding out too much hope for that car to be honest neither uh, next down is another one of the ferrari uh let, let's talk about the next few cars all in a big uh, lot, actually. Oh, no, nah, let's not do that. Let's let's go car by car. So we've got a, a, a quartet of Ferraris to chat about next. Um, firstly, the WC full season entry, Red River Sport. This is the Bonhomie Grimes, Johnny Molum car, and they've got Charlie Holdings in there as well. Thoughts on their season so far? I, I really haven't been too impressed, although I wasn't really expecting much. Um, and the fact that they are last in the standings kind of speaks for himself, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is just a bunch of monocle wearing Brits <laughs> just driving around, having a bit of fun. Well, I mean, they're not the worst drivers in the world. No, Bonami. 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 Bonami Grimes, the Welshman, I believe. Uh, he's coming up as Great British on the on on the uh, entry list, which I, I guess includes Wales. I always forget which is like Great Britain, the United Kingdom, England, and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I it's it seems way more complicated than it needs to be. Yeah, I found I found his company. Which is Skyscanner, and the listen is Welsh. Oh, well, there you go. And sorry for um, offending like an entire group of people there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let, I mean, let, let, unless you didn't say that the Scottish are British. Oof. Ooh. <laughs> I'm um, I'm just going to step well back from that conversation <laughs> right now. Johnny Molum's a solid driver as well. He's a former awesome. professional driver. Well, he's yeah. a professional in this team, but he's a former, like, actually good professional driver. Yeah. Yeah, and- he retired, I want to say, was it, like, 2016? It was somewhere around there. His last race, like, the Rolex 24 and with the Prototype Challenge. And he figured that, you know, retiring with the SpongeBob SquarePants car wasn't exactly the way he wanted to end his career. 
brilliant. I remember that car. That was awful. <laughs> and um, and Charles Hollings, I think the best, biggest result of him is coming 126s in the 25 hours of VW Fun Cup. Okay, so we're not expecting too much from that team. Um, no. Sorry to all the Brits in the audience. Uh, next is a British team that you should be keeping an eye on for a good result. JMW Motorsport. Now, this car has won Le Mans in the past um, in the Ferrari. Uh, they have this year a bit of a mixed driver lineup, so not the driver lineup that they've had in previous years. Um, they have Richard Highstand, which, if I recall correctly, is more well-known as the... Am driver in the Faf Motorsport Porsche, is that correct? Um, he also yeah he raced with Aim Vassar Sullivan in 2019 as well. Oh, that's where I remember it from. It yeah. was Aim Vassar Sullivan, not Faf. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, it took a pole position, two wins in that class last year in the number 14 car. Yeah, okay. Now now things are making sense. And in that car as well from the USA is a silver driver called Maxwell Root. Who is this Giddy. guy? <laughs> I've never heard of him Port- before. Porsche GT3 Cup USA driver. Okay, cool. Is he any good? He came in second in last in last year's championship. I I want to double check, but I believe oh, he also races in GT World Challenge America in the Porsche GT3. I'll have to double check, but, yeah, G- but GT3 his, main, Cup- his main focus is his main focus is GT Cup Challenge. Yeah, he's actually had a um five podiums last year in GT3 Challenge USA for racing for a right. Motorsport? Oh, yes, of course. You're right. So he's actually, so yeah, based on stats, and he's 21 years old, so he's also young as hell. Cool. That's actually a really, really uh, interesting pickup then. Not someone that I've ever heard of, but if they've got good results in a national Porsche series, then they must be doing something right. Plus, Um, every every Australian will laugh at his last name. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then finally, uh, a driver that we're more accustomed to seeing in a different American, or a different uh, yellow GT car. Jan Magnussen uh, finding a ride with JMW Motorsport. A driver rooted with experience. <laughs> yes, <laughs> a, a, quite a lot of experience. And and no doubt he'll be wanting to high stand on the podium at the end of it. Ah, that was fun. Shut up, Chris. <laughs> um, now, Magnussen was uh, trying to put together a LMP2 drive with high-class racing, an all-Danish LMP2 drive, but that fell through thanks to coronavirus, of course. Um, now, it's interesting to me that this team, uh, JMW Motorsport, which is traditionally very British, is running with a full lineup of Americans. Um, I wonder if that is a, a money thing. Uh, I wonder if that's uh, the who they were able to get funding from to, to run this car for this weekend, because normally we see, or oh, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, uh, I'm just going to go look it up. Normally you see a different set of drivers for that car. Very solid drivers, though. I'm not sure. If this is an AM entry, I think. It is. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Name only. Really? You think it's 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 that professional? I've well, got Jan Magnussen. You've got a young, you got a youngster in with Max Root. <laughs> sorry, sorry, that name. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> And Richard Highstand as well. I, honestly, this is a car that's been basically funded by Mister Mister JMW. Just had a complete blank on his name. I have as well. That's bad. We are bad podcasters, everyone. <laughs> we are bad podcasters. And I reckon this car is actually going to be up to, up to the pointy end. 
Yeah, well, Heisman's definitely a name I recognize from doing well in IMSA. So that's a pretty impressive... Uh, like, you, can't, you don't just win races in the GTD class unless, of course, the BOP is just way out. Okay, so maybe you do... Anyway, um, and uh, Jan Magnussen oh, as, Jim... a, as a pro driver. That's crazy. Yeah. Jim Nick Werther, there's the name. There we go. <laughs> and yeah, and, and this team has proven in ACO competition. They've won races in ELS. They've won Le Mans. Uh, I think very famously they won the the last race with the four five eight, and then their first race with the four eight eight. So they they do have quite a, a a pedigree behind them. So this could be definitely a, a car to watch. Do, you reckon, do we yeah, reckon top five? Yeah. I don't know, man. Jan Magnussen, Canada won this TCR Denmark race. What a chump! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chris, never never be less obscure. Ah, uh, brilliant. Uh, another next Ferrari on the entry list, number seventy. This is the WEC full season entry from MR Racing, Japanese based, um, with Takeshi Kimura, Vincent Abril, and Kay Cosolino. Now, despite their lack of results in WEC competition, looking at those drivers, that is a terrifying car. So Takeshi Kimura's new name to this car. He uh, raced Agent Lamont series last season. Uh, also races GT three hundred. Uh, in Super he, GT, yep. Yep. He actually won at the bend for Car- with Cargoy. Yes, that was what I was about to say. Uh, Cargoy Racing, uh, this is actually two uh, drivers from the Cargoy Racing team as well, with Kay Cozzolino in the mm. mix as well. Now, Takeshi Kimura, he is replacing in that car. Oh, remind me, is it... I'm trying to remember who, who normally drives that car. They complete mental blank now as well, yes. and it doesn't have that I shut my entry list down. Wow, wow. Um, Motoashi Ishikawa is the driver oh, yes. that they're replacing. Um, so I actually think that is a market improvement. No offense to Ishikawa, he just hasn't quite been the same at the same level of other bronze drivers in the WEC. Um, Kimura, you know, with race wins in Asian Le Mans series, has a bit more behind him, but Kei Cosolino is one of the best silver drivers in Ferraris in the world. And I think it was actually you, Chris, who turned me on to him uh, a few years ago when Car Guy made their debut at Le Mans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they raced in like Super Taiku and Asian Le Mans, maybe not Asian Le Mans. That, well, yeah, they had to have Asian Le Mans at that point, I'm thinking. But yeah, they raced in like domestic Japanese stuff and made the trip to Asian Le Mans. I was like, keep an eye on these guys. I mean, they're doing relatively decent in their domestic championships they may have some force and and you know on, the other, on all the way across the pacific and all these asian countries and into europe but uh yeah they, sh- they should be a force to be reckoned maybe not a force to be reckoned with but i think they'll definitely be up there yeah and on top of that as well i think uh just to go back to to cosolino uh he one, I think he won a lot of people's interest and a lot of people's hearts with that amazing battle with Giancarlo Fisichella at Fuji. Uh, was it last year where they were basically bashing each other's mirrors and doors off for forty minutes in the the latter stages of the race? So uh, he's certainly gotten a lot more of a uh, like a lot more notoriety as a as a driver in GTs uh, since then. And then Vincent Abril, uh, a former. Uh, Bentley factory driver um, raced in uh, yeah raced the factory Bentley team uh, for the IGTC. He surprises me that he's still a gold rated driver because he certainly has the quality of a platinum. Um, I think the only reason he's not a platinum is this isn't a factory effort. Otherwise, he would be. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, a hundred percent. It's kind of crazy <laughs> that you could replace someone like Olivia Beretta 
with uh, Vincent Abril and have no drop in quality for that car. Yeah, this car, this car is my smoky for the win. Oh, really? You're going that hard? Mm-hmm. Damn. Yep. Okay. It's it's one that I think people won't expect to be up there, but it is going to be up there. And it's very interesting because their best result so far this season has been a third place at the opening round. They really haven't shown too much stuff anywhere else. So going from that far off to a smoky for the win, that's that's a huge mm. improvement. But as they, well, they've changed to all three of their drivers. Well, it's two of their three drivers, I should say. Yeah, two of their three drivers. Okie dokie. Mm. Chris, are you, are you, are you going to commit that hard as well? I think they're going to be up there by... Do not, I don't know if they're going to be in contention for the win. I'm... Okay. It's going to be... I reckon if they get a top five, that'll be pretty good. That's what I'll say. Yeah. yeah. Now, everyone knows my, my luck with Smokies. I'm either either really, really good or atrociously bad. <laughs> yeah, this is true. You, you, you have like... It's like a very low baseline of bad, and then every now and then you get something just absolutely right, and it's fantastic yeah. and amazing. Of course, these guys miss Spa. Yes. So... So they're, they're coming off at a, quite an extended break as well. So fingers crossed that they're able to show us uh, show us a clean set of heels. Uh, next up, we have uh, Hub Auto Racing. This is the car that won the Le Mans invite from the Asian Le Mans series. Uh, this Taiwanese-flagged car. And they've got uh, the Taiwanese driver, Morris Chen, a BMW factory driver, Tom Blomquist, and Marcos Gomez from uh, Brazil uh, completing their driver lineup. Now that is a really mixed car to to be com- completely honest. I I believe that car was meant to have Tim Slade in it, it as was. well. Yeah. It so, was, but he can't get out of Australia. Yes, yes he is. Um so well, the of- fact is also racing that same weekend at the Bend. Yeah, who cares about the Bend? Uh actually actually he's not racing that weekend at the Bend because that's no longer a co-driver endurance round. That's just a normal super sprint. But yeah, anyway, this he's uh, not going to full time. Oh. He was, he was. He's actually been mo- just moved to a co-driver role this season. Um, Which is an upgrade for him. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so a, a really mixed, weird driver lineup. Uh, a BMW factory driver in Tom Blomquist uh, in the mix in a Ferrari with uh, a Brazilian and a Taiwanese driver. It's kind of all over the place. Um, what do we reckon, lads? Morris Chen is not fantastic. I think that's, that's all I'm gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what I'm going to say about this car. Yeah, so don't expect them to be mixing it with the other uh, quality bronzes. Uh, what about Marcus Gomez? He is a Brazilian stock car champion, if I'm not mistaken, or Brazilian stock car competitor. Uh, let me just—I believe he's a champion. Um, but yeah, he does—he does race uh, stock car Brazil as his day job. Uh, nice to see another. South American contingent coming up to these big endurance races. I mean, I swear we see more of them coming up year after year from Argentina and Brazil, just trying their hand and stuff. And they're usually pretty good. Yeah, I think that was started by Daniel Serra, which we mentioned in the GTE Pro field. He was the one that really, like, first cracked onto the scene and started showing a really, really good results in these big fields that kind of drew people's attention to the the South American racing and the Stock Car Brazil series in particular. So uh, he's kind of been the, the trailblazer for people like Morris Chen and uh, Felipe Fraga to, to make their entries into a global sports car field. And they had Felipe Fraga, who does... I swear he does more blank pan stuff more often than Stock Car Brazil. <laughs> and then they have, of course, Marco Gomez. So, so Gomez was a champion. Uh, are you saying then? Uh, I, I would, I believe so. I believe he's a, he, if, if not champion, a very regular contender. 
Well, we've got, 2015, uh, I believe. Yeah, we've got Johan giving us a, the, the sly note under the table in our chat room saying he's a, a 2015 champion. So another okay. another another champion coming from Stock Car Brazil. I want I want to like this car, but Morris Chen is a bit of an anchor, uh, is the problem. I think... I mean, go ahead. It's, great that it's great that we've got some Southeast Asian countries, and especially from Taiwan, which is not your usual, what is what, hub? Represented at Le Mans? But, oh, Taiwan. Interesting. Now you mentioned Taiwan. They actually had to, I believe they just closed their only motorsport circuit recently. Oh, no. no. Okay. So they can't, they can't tie win in Taiwan. Oh, shut, uh, shut up. Shut <laughs> up. Get out. Okay, we're moving on. That wasn't even good. That was, oh. So when your grandkids getting born, Chris, damn. <laughs> oh, that was awful. Anyway. Moving on, uh, back to some Porsches, which makes me happy because I love me some Porsches. Dempsey Proton and Proton Competition are uh, bringing along four cars, uh, a late entry, a late addition to the entry list as well. Um, we've got here uh, the two full season WEC cars, the 77 and the 88. 77 is the Christian Reed, Ricardo Perra, Matt Campbell car, which holds a lot of interest for Australians. Uh, I know uh, Chris, Kiwi Chris and I are looking very much forward to uh, keeping an eye on that car. And then the number 88 car, the full season car, is Thomas Prining, Dominique Bastian, and Adrian Delina. Now, I have no idea who these uh, these new 88 drivers are because the 88 has been in a revolving door all season. Um, so, Chris, could you set us some light on who Dominique Bastian and Adrian Delina are? Well, what well, is on the 88? We'll talk, we talk about, about the 77, the... yeah. Yeah, because the 77 is just... The, well, you got Matt Campbell, fantastic. Yeah, Ricardo Pereira has proven himself to be quite capable, and Christian Reed loves the new model much better than the old Porsche. Well, Christian Reed, I think he is the only driver now who has competed in every single WEC event. I think he is the last remaining driver who who was uh, who hasn't missed an event after Darren Turner was mm. relegated from the the factory Aston Martin team. Um, so he certainly has a lot of experience, uh, and that car has proven to be very quick when uh, Campbell is behind the wheel or when Reed is up against AM, other AM drivers. I, I don't quite think Ricardo Perra has the same wow factor about him as a silver as, say, Felipe Fraga or Nicholas Nielsen or Julian Anlauer, who was in that seat um, previously. So they've lost a little bit of an edge, but they, they're they coming in with great form. They finished second at Spa-Francorchamps just last time out. And, and Ricardo Pere is only 21 as well. Yeah, so plenty of so, room for improvement and yeah. and for uh, yeah an increase in pace as well. Yeah, and he's raced Italian GT, European Le Mans Series for this thing, and he's had a win there, basically a win, a second and a third last year. Yep. So he's very, very handy. And Christian Reed, well, he's just... He's not going to break the car anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, you know, how can Campbell and Pierre recover for him? And I think they can. Okay, yeah. I, I That's that's still, yeah, definitely a strong driver lineup. Um, What about the 88? Have you managed to dig up anything on the on the 88's additional drivers? So Don, Don Baston, is, he's like the American AM. He might be like the rich guy yep. because he does a lot of 24-hour series racing, mainly the Porsche 9 and 1 class. So that's why he mainly does a couple of GT4 and random GT3 stuff yep. now and then. Adrian DeLiner, actually, he races for um, in the G, I believe, 
in GT World Challenge Europe with Dynamic Motorsport. Um, and oh, he yeah. also raced with, uh, he also raced in VLN with Team Iron Force and then also raced with the ADAC GT Masters. So he just basically races Porsches in VLN and ADAC GT. Cool. So now this car as well is a record setter this race. Yeah. Dom Bastian is setting the record for the oldest driver to race at the Mans. Ah, yes, we did. I did see that. Okay, so how old is Dom Bastian? He was born on November 25, 1945. He's 74 years old. Yep. Wow. That's old. That's older than my grandpa. That's crazy. That's old enough to have like watched the the Ford versus Ferrari days and remember them. Yeah. That's kind of terrifying. Okay, so and this is this is a a, a Le Mans debut for him as well, I believe. Yes, and this is American too, so our healthcare standards aren't really the best. I don't know. I don't know if his eyesight's that good. Uh, I don't know if he's even cleared to drive. It's gonna be interesting. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we'll go on down there. So yeah, fantastic. Uh, so we got Johan in the chat saying he's only ten months younger than Jackie X. So that's uh, and Jackie X is. One of the names from the Ford versus Ferrari days, in fact, took his first Le Mans victory in a Ford in 1969, beating a Porsche by the closest competition margin until 2011. So, yeah, it's it, dude's old. Um, <laughs> he's old, and he raced Skip Barber in 2007, so he started really old too. Wow. Okay. So, hey, it just goes to show that it is possible to teach an old dog new tricks. So. Yep, that's 2018 24 hour GT series or European champion of the SPX class, which only had you know two cars in it. Hey, he's still a, he's still a class champion. You can't champion take that away. The champion. Yeah, exactly. Damn. Okay, so that's that's the the two full season WEC cars for uh, Dempsey Proton Racing. Um, also uh, added to the entry list is the number 78. Okay, so these drivers are going to be like absolutely from nowhere we have no idea like just looking at a few of them i have no idea where they've come from so we'll start with the 78 first proton competition um we have michele beretta and max van splunteren who are names i do recognize as established sports car names beretta i think um is is someone who just was he the guy that uh gets paid by ferrari to drive their formula one cars or is that someone else I think that might be someone else. Anyway, Michaeli Beretta, a, a definite name in sports cars that I'm familiar with. That's a tick that box. Max Van Splunteren, I'm pretty sure, is a Porsche Super Cup driver as well. Yep, you'd be correct. Sweet. So there's two boxes ticked. Now, the bronze in that car, Horst Felbermeyer Jr. from Austria. Yes. Yes. Who? Son of Horst Felbermeyer, who was actually, I think, heavily involved in Proton as well. Okay, yep. Uh, died recently. Oh, that's he, okay. uh, yeah, but he's raced with Proton at Paul Ricard this uh, last year. Yeah, it was, it was Team Feldmeyer Proton. There you go. Wow. Okay, so uh, this is a little bit of a, a callback then. Yeah, he's uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but he's raced in the 24 Hour Series quite a bit as well in the Audi in the large classes Audi. Yeah, you'd be correct. You won the 2017 12 Hours of Imola. The one time I believe we're an A6 AM cl- uh, class car one overall against a bunch of A6 pros. Wow. Okay, so that's a, a decent pedigree. We know we know that the A6 Pro class, de- you know, depending on the, the the weekend, has quite a bit of quality in it. So that's actually quite impressive. Okay. 
This is a this is going to be an impressive car. I don't think it's on the level of the other Proton cars, but it'd be one to keep an eye on and just see how they progress. Top 10, maybe? Yeah. Maybe? I think a top 10 will be a really, really good result. And it will be a great sort of marker post for, for Max Van Splinteren, who is a... Uh, a name I've certainly heard of in Super Cup and uh, someone who I think might have even been given this opportunity as as a as a testament to his Super Cup results. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah, right. the final car on the entry list for the Dempsey Proton team and the car on the very bottom of the entry list, the number 99 Dempsey Proton car. Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> get all of these names wrong. Okay, so we'll leave that one to last because that one's scary. <laughs> Um, Luca Legere is the silver, um, Julian Piguet, I think, Pig- it's spelt Pigwet, and I know that's not right because it's French, <laughs> so I'm going to say Pigwet, uh, is Pigway. another silver, and here we go, a, a tie driver, um, Vutihikorn Intrapapavusak, how'd I do, Vutico- lads? Vutihikorn Intrapapavusak. <laughs> It doesn't get any prettier. Yeah, having a UV uh, next to each other doesn't help. Vitacorn, Anthropothor, Anthrax, I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, I feel bad we've been, about We've that. been incredibly rude about him, I think, but he's actually a very solid Yeah, driver. he's pretty good. He, yeah, he won a couple races in the Black Pan GT, Asia, or GT World Challenge Asia Series. A few? Um, I can't remember the overall. Wow. Yeah, I can't remember... I, I believe it's overall, but I can't remember his overall class wins, but he has wins in that championship. He did really good, so... That's, well, it would be overall because Pro-Am's the top class in Bullshit. Yeah, that's, that's actually quite Oh, yeah, impressive. that's right. Does anyone know off the top of their head who their uh, who his uh, pro-driver would have been or who his co-driver would have been? I can actually tell you in 10, 10 seconds. Fantastic. Um, now, Luca Legere is a, another driver I am aware of. I'm pretty sure Legere is an ELMS driver or a Rotolamon driver, and I am willing to to say on record that uh, he races in LMP3. However, my brief Google ruining is not res- returning that result. Yep, LMP3. Oh, okay, good. Oof, I was from over- last year. Fantastic. So he, uh, yeah, he raced the M Racing Norma in in uh, LMP3. Yeah. Oh. And to answer your question from before, Vuti's pro driver, that's what we're calling him, Vuti, <laughs> was Alexandra Imperatori. Oh, well, there you go. That's a name that is definitely someone who has got a lot of quality. So hopefully he has imparted some of that quality onto uh, the Thai driver, who I'm not going to pretend to try and name again. Uh, what about uh, Julian Pigway? What do we, what do we, what do we think of, of him? If I'm even saying he, that remotely collect- correctly. He is actually racing in the French GT slash GT4 France Championship this year, full-time. And he's doing it with the new Toyota Supra GT4. Oh, cool. Oh, That's nice. a really interesting uh, drive then. Um, so has he got any quality behind him? Uh, he has two podiums this year in the French GT Championship. Yeah, yeah that's okay. That's okay. Uh, he's raced in Michelin Le Mans Cup as well. For P in a P three. Oh, sweet. Uh, that's that's a bit more notable. How's he been doing? Uh, two DNFs. Oof. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not. But well, mind you, they, those races were both at Le Mans in twenty eighteen. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Okay. So uh, taking all four Dempsey Proton slash Proton competition cars as one entity, wh- who do we expect to be the top of that group of four? Uh, the seventy seven for me. Chris. 
So let me just take a gander here. I think I'm going to have to agree that 77, it's hard to argue against Christian Reed and Matt Campbell in the same car. I I would also agree with that. I think the 77 has been the most consistent Porsche in the WEC so far, even more so than the Team Project 1 uh, Porsches. Oh, actually, no, that's a lie. The Team Project 1 currently leads it in the championship. Oh, whatever. I, I think the 77 Porsche of that group of four is going to be the one to watch. Um, And I will keep also a keen eye on the number 78 as well. I reckon that one might have something a little a little sneaky up its sleeve. Yep, I agree. Okay, so we've got only three cars left. We've got another Porsche to get through before we get to our pair of Aston Martins. So the Golf Racing Porsche is the uh, the next car on the entry list, number 86. Uh, this has been run by Mike Wainwright, Ben Barker, and Andrew Watson um, for the full season. Now, I have to say, I've been quite impressed with Wainwright's performances in the new 911 RSR. I was very much critical of his uh, performances in the AM class in his early entries, uh, but since getting the upgraded version of the 911, I I think Wainwright has turned a corner and has gotten a lot better. So I am intrigued to see what this car can do. Um, this car in WC competition has a second place at Bahrain as well, which is quite impressive. And Ben Barker and Andrew Watson are actually two, a pair of really, really good drivers to pair with uh, Wainwright. Yeah, and the, this lineup, Kirby Prime, has been the lineup all season. Not the season means much this year, but yeah. Um, so they've got the, they have that familiarity, but they just haven't really been up the pointy end. Yeah, they've had a few really dud races. I think Fuji they finished well down the order. Shanghai as well, and Spa they were the last classified finisher in that class. So it's a bit of a. a uh, an inconsistent car, you'd say. Uh, they've got, you know, a fourth place at Silverstone and a podium at Bahrain, but apart from that, not really much to talk about. Yeah, um, they'll be there. Yeah. Uh, do you have any comments on on the golf racing car, Chris? They're in the race. <laughs> Good comments. I agree with that. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the final two cars on the entry list that we haven't touched on yet, and two very exciting, uh, very... Uh, contending cars a pair of aston martins these are both the full season wc entries we have one from tf sport um with sally ulick charlie eastwood and johnny adam behind the wheel scary driver lineup scary car has been doing very well in the gtm championship so far another one is the number 98 aston martin run by aston martin racing um with uh everyone's favorite canadian paul dallalana uh, Ross Gunn as the silver and Augusto Farfus jumping over from the BMW team to fill in the pro drive uh, of that car. Now replacing, replacing Darren Turner. Replacing Darren Turner, which is a little sad for Darren. I think he would have liked to have been at Le Mans again in a driving capacity. But it, as far as uh, pro drivers, Farfus is certainly one that is quite a nice, uh, nice drop in uh, if you're looking for someone. Uh, these cars have been, it's kind of a tale of two Aston Martins here. You have the TF Sport car, which has taken three race wins and a podium um, with those drivers. And then you have the number 98 car, which has not taken a race win and quite possibly has had the worst luck out of any car ever. It's, both of them should be race contenders, right? Both of them oh. should be potential race winners. If you're basing it just on the driver lineups, then absolutely. Yeah, I don't think there's a weak link in either of them. Both of them have crazy good silvers. Uh, Charlie Eastwood and Ross Gunn both being AMR young drivers. 
Both of them have solid AMs. Sally Ullick and Paul Dallana have shown that they can mix it with the best of them, including the pros, on multiple occasions. And both of them have crazy pro drivers as well. Yeah. It's, the problem is, problem is, uh, I think the Canadian Paul Dallana's had a few issues this year. This is, this is, 2020 has been a year of torment for him. Okay. From um, breaking an ankle to spinning off a few times. Didn't he have an issue at Spa where he put it in the gravel and... Yeah, in the changing weather, yeah. Yep, he's um he's just had a few issues this year. He he's good enough. We just know his his luck at Le Mans hasn't always been great. Yes, and I think a lot of people will remember. I think the moment a lot of people will remember for Paul Dallana at Le Mans was when he was safely leading with forty five minutes left and uh, put it in the wall in the Ford <laughs> Ford chicane, and yeah has not had a good run at Le Mans since. So uh, not not quite what you want to be known for at uh, at Le Mans. Um, but uh, PDL is definitely a quality driver and it would be great. It would be great to see him have an actually good run at Le Mans once again. Yeah, he's got the lineup to do it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, And the question I want to pose to you guys is how do you split these two cars? I mean, you don't. The, yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, easy, easy answer. <laughs> they both should be strong. It comes down to of things we can't predict in a podcast uh, who's going to be better on the day yeah what about you chris uh what, what do you think do you have a a better answer than you don't or is that is that what your what your thoughts are as well i am actually quite liking the tf sport entry because i um, in in adding to the fact that they also do wec they also been doing a full season in the international gt open championship and they actually won a race at paul ricard just last month um with charlie eastwood at sally ulick being the co-drivers, and also race two of that series um, at Paul Ricard, Vincent Abreu. Yeah, so are. we got a couple of uh, winners in the, that championship in Le Mans this week. But TF Sport, in par- apart from the WEC, they've been testing their chops in the International GT Open, a very reduced grid in that championship, only about 14, 15 cars. But a race win's a race win. So uh, I think with the added drive time behind the wheel, I think they might have the upper edge here. Yeah, that's actually a really, really good point. They've, they're probably coming into the race with a bit more form. I, I mean, Paul Dallana and that Aston Martin team have also done the previous two ELMS rounds. Haven't quite had the results that they were looking for. Got a penalty at Paul Ricard the first time out, and I don't think they had a, a decent result at Spa-Francorchamps. But uh, you, you have to say on form, the TF Sport car should be the stronger of the two. Um, the question is, but by how much? And we'll find out in a week's time. We'll find out in a week's time. Okay, so we've come to the end of the entry list. 22 cars uh, for GTEM. Now, I'm going to ask you guys, give me a top three. Or give me, just give me three. You know, it doesn't have to be in order. It doesn't have to be, this is the winner and these are the two, etc., etc. Give me a top three come the end of the race next Sunday. Three out of 22? Oh, good luck. Hey, that's only just under, just over one-seventh. Just under one-seventh. Chris, you can go first. Why, why, thank you. <laughs> all right i'll just go i'll just go on off top of my head i'll just do random <laughs> tf sport uh the keaton project one car and the matt campbell car interesting interesting i like it i like it what about you chris kiwi chris um oh matt campbell car the uh 77 77 the uh, 54 AF Corsair machine, floor casted actually for Sakala. Yep. And because I love a good story, 
the 98. Don't. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I'll uh, I'm out for that. But because I am being a realist, it's the JMW 66. You guys, you both you guys are idiots. Both you guys are idiots. How have neither of you said the 83 car? Honestly, how have neither of you said that AF Corsa car? Because it's going to be Le Mans and anything can happen. I, I disagree. I, eighty three has to yeah. be the top of anyone's list, and the fact that it neither does. of you put it in your top three is I'll, just. I, I'm looking for stuff that's different. This is yeah, fair. Um, I'll, <laughs> I will say uh, eighty three, uh, TF Sport, and oh, blah, 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 blah. Oh, I want to say I want to say one of the the Team Project One cars, but I don't know which one to choose. So, 83, the TF Sport, and one of the Team Project 1 cars, I'm probably going to lean towards the 57, unwillingly, just because those drivers have been together the whole time, and Keating is good at Le Mans. Yeah, but this is a bit like throwing a duck, where there's 5 to 10 genuine chances of a race victory here. Yeah, exactly, and there's in that as well as quite a few teams who could have a good race and spring something surprising. I think the Iron Ladies definitely one of them. Mm -hmm. The uh, the MR Racing uh, team, I think that's actually a surprisingly good lineup. Um, Yeah, even um, yeah, even even the the Proton Competition car is is a a bit of a sleeper. So it could be. We say this every single year. It could be anyone. It could be anyone. It's GT GTM. It could be anyone. My random number generator picked out the Lucich Racing, Red River Sport, and the Iron Ladies. Good so, luck with those picks. <laughs> one of those three could be okay. This is true. Um, so, yes, uh, we're recording this one week out from Le Mans. Uh, I hope this has given you a bit of an idea of um, where these drivers have come from, what we expect, and you know where to look. Um, if you've never watched Le Mans, if you're unsure about the GTEM class in particular, as, as we suggested, get... Um, Pick someone. Pick someone. If you if you're in America, pick an American based team or an American driver. If if you're in a part of the world where uh, there's a particular driver that you have been following for a while, keep track of them. It does add an extra element to the race because it keeps you invested in a, more more than a quarter of the action. Um, and I will say that there was a definite transition point for me when I stopped watching Le Mans just for the overall and started watching it for the rest of the race. And it, it definitely became much more engaging. Um, of course, you can join us in the Discord server over the weekend at r slash WEC. Um, we'll have links in our race threads and our discussion threads. Uh, make sure you have live timing up as well, uh, because live timing makes the race much easier to follow. Uh, and yeah, that's the GT cars. Uh, any final comments, guys? I know uh, we've been trucking along for quite a little while. Uh, but yeah, any comments? It's going to be a fantastic AM battle. The pro battle, we know, is just going to be off the chain. I have a feeling the, the GT cars, classes will be the classes of the race. Oh, I, I want to agree with you. But LMP2 exists, is the thing. I want to agree. Yeah. LMP2 exists. I, I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, what about you, uh, Chris Washer? Any final comments? Um, it, it, it should be just be a great weekend of racing. Um, I mean, we all know Le Mans is on, but due to the fact they had to get moved, um, clashes were inevitable. But most of us have like a second screen or something that we could put something on. So if I just take a chance to list some of the races that we have also going on, we have ADAC GT Masters going at Hockenheimring. We have uh, British GT. I want to say Donington Park, but I'm not too sure. But we have British T also going on that weekend. And we also have 
the third race of the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs at Bristol. I mentioned this because Bristol actually produces good racing. And it's it's something that put on check on a Saturday night if you're an American. Have a Le Mans and NASCAR side by side. It's just a great weekend of racing if you're just a regular regular racing fan. I love I love that I love that uh, we um, you know we're spending this whole time talking about Le Mans and Chris at the end is just like oh yeah here's some other stuff you want to watch as well. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. Park is on the 19th and 20th of September. Oh, hello, Cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw you sneak in this room. I didn't expect you to jump in and chat. Okay, well, there you go. So uh, if you've got, if you're starved of racing to watch over the Le Mans weekend, there is plenty more, uh, I guess, is the, the response. And on that note, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Chris and Chris, for your wise words of wisdom. Which what I, wise words of wisdom I do I have? Yeah, I don't know if you want to call those wisdom. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I also realized halfway through saying that that saying wise words of wisdom is also redundant. Because anyway, uh, it's been a, it's it's been a weekend. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the rest of our Le Mans coverage. We will of course have our pre pre race show, so jump in on that as well. That'll be streamed live on YouTube uh, about ninety minutes before race start. So yeah, we'll see you there. Thank you very much for listening. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>